While we'll be consuming alcohol throughout the show, should you choose to join in, we ask that you only do so where it's legal, safe, and in moderation. We also welcome your feedback and suggestions on our Instagram at Movies Rock Podcast. And should we say anything rude, non-inclusive, or otherwise wrong, we apologize in advance. We are affirming of all, so with that being said, offense or ill will is never our intent. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome to Movies on the Rocks. It is us, the Motor Boys. Motor, 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 Motor. Motor, Motor Boys. And we are here with a Christmas special. Woo! Ching, 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 ching. Hear the jingle bell. Oh, God. And I. Oh, my God, dude. You're awful. And I. <laughs> Anyways, but as always, we, we are the Motor Boys. We're here to talk shit about movies, drink some shit, and just kind of just be all around the shit. Um, as always, but uh, since it is a Christmas special, uh, it is a bit more lighthearted. Uh, we will be talking about the amazing, I think, in my opinion, Christmas movie known as The Holdovers. It just recently came out this past October, um, and uh, it's been running pretty strong as a you know a little movie, little Christmas movie. Now it's still in the theaters, even though it's been out for over a month. Um, but it's it's really really it's we, we're gonna talk about it more. But I, I was I was overjoyed watching it. It was a great movie. But um, but before we go into that, let's go ahead and talk about what we're drinking here tonight, boys. What are you fellas drinking tonight? Elias, sir, please go. What do you got? Some Miami brewed coquito. Oh yes. <laughs> Which I'm sure Tomas will probably grab a couple of jugs of and I'll be making some, some in Miami. I'll be I'll be making. I don't need to smuggle. I can make them here. Believe me, easy enough, bro. I don't have to worry. About, I don't have to. I don't have to fight off people for the fucking cocoa and all that shit. Dude, it's crazy. All this like cream and all that shit. You can't find it. Yeah. Question though: Is our rums a requirement? I'm sorry. Is our raisins raisins are no? I saw a lady brew it with uh, no. She she like um, soaked her raisins in rum ah, for a day. I was like that that was. Uh, weird. I've seen versions where they add raisins, and I've seen versions where they add egg to make it like eggnog. No. But that's not coquito. Coquito is rum, sh- uh, rum condensed uh, milk, condensed milk, milk, evaporated milk. Uh, crema de coco, yep. cocoa cream, and uh, and uh, leche de coco, coco coconut milk. Yeah. Uh, and then I like to add a pinch of cinnamon, a pinch of nutmeg, and uh, and uh, and two cups, two cups Those... of rum. Okay. Two cups of rum. What was that? I did not do that. That was different. Yeah. Two cups of rum. I did not do that shit. I think that was Derek. I think he did that. But either way, it was weird. But, oh, wait. Is it this? I don't even know what you're talking about. Is that? Holy crap. (laughs) Sorry, podcast people. That was really fucking weird. (laughs) 
That's really weird. That's really weird. That was very strange. Anyways, so, but yeah, two cups of rum. And I use a specific rum, too. I don't use white rum. I use, um, I use, I use, I use Kraken. Because it's got all the spices in it. I don't have to worry about too many spices. So it's already there, dude. It's already there. Tomas, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking. I could make coquito because I don't have enough time because I'm actually leaving tomorrow um, to go on vacation. Are, are you packed? Just, I am just pa- to clarify. I, I am packed, though. <laughs> I have been packed since last night, baby. Since last night. Because I knew. I know how things are in my household. I know how they are. No. I'm packed. My oldest daughter is packed, basically. She's just missing some pajamas, which are in the dryer now. But I am packed. Um, my wife is not, and my youngest is not. And that's par for the course. As always. So the correct <laughs> answer is no, you are not packed. <laughs> I'm not, not fully, not fully, not fully. Half, half. Anyways, oh I God. am drinking rum and crystal light as always. And um, delicious as always. Derek, what are you drinking, brother? I'm drinking cider. Shit is already off the rails. <laughs> are you drinking Fezzy, Fezzy Wigs? Uh, Fezzy Wings Ale from no. Sam Adams. No, this is just a Sapporo premium beer. Oh, oh that hits whenever I go to eat sushi or tempeh. I can get a shrimp thrown in my mouth. Or if I want to yeah. go, if I want drinks around the world at Disney. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, um, it's it's just a really good beer. Uh, I good. happened to get one at a restaurant and was reminded how much I enjoyed it, and so I just bought it at the grocery store. So I got a few of these we can go through tonight. Cheers, Sweet. fellas. Cheers. Cheers. Merry Christmas, All right. fuckers. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, fuckers. And anyone Merry at home. Cr- yep. Every- and everyone at home and everybody and you two here. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you've got them loaded today. Okay. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. So, but anyways. But yeah, so we're going to get started with Derek's Choice. This was Derek's Choice this year. He chose a... It, it, Another great Christmas movie I've brought. I I don't I don't know about that because you had <laughs> you had the Tokyo Godfathers last year and that was a, a fucking real Christmas train wreck. movie. The fucking train wreck. <laughs> fucking train wreck. Fucking train wreck. No, no. Every single time I watch that movie, I'm not, I have not I have not watched it again. I'm sure you have, Derek, or are about to for sure. It's the season. <laughs> what the fuck? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 but, but, but as always, Derek is a home run hitter. Hmm. He strikes out, but then he comes up to bat and he swings for the fences every single time. And sometimes like, he hits. Uh, like the kid on signs, right? He goes, yes. Uh, yeah, swing the record away. for home runs. Swing, swing away. away. Swing away. Swing away. Yeah, that's, that's Derek. Derek swings away every well, pitch. There's, there's no mystery now which one, uh, who, who's going to like this movie at the end of the, the podcast here. So there's there's the ending, folks. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. But all right, so let's go over. I'll, I'll give some of the stats first, okay? Like mm-hmm. I said, it just came out this past, uh, this past October. Um, it's uh, rated R. It is directed... Um, and co-written by Alexander Payne. It's also written by a gentleman by the name of David Hemmingson. It stars quite a few people, actually. It stars Paul Giamatti, uh, Divine Joy Randolph. If you don't know who she is, she was in uh, Dolomite with uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, it stars Carrie Preston. If you don't remember her, she was in True Blood. Um, it also um, That's pretty much 
it. Um, there's really not too many other people in the motion picture. Now, the kid who plays Angus Tully, this is his first movie ever. Yeah, you were telling me about this. So really? they needed to find the role or something? Yes. Yeah, they need to find a role. So they they, they went to or the an local actor, schools. I mean. An actor. So they went to the local schools and they found this kid, Dominic Sessa, who, when they were filming, was in high school. He was in high school at the moment. He was a drama student at the local at local at one of the local high schools in the area. And it was yeah, they found him. They found him. This is his first movie. This was his first motion picture. Um, if those of you don't know who Alexander Payne is, he has written a lot of good uh, comedies, uh, dramatic comedies. He wrote he wrote and directed Sideways, got nominated for Academy Award for him and Paul Giamatti were both nominated. Um, let's see who else. He also wrote and directed uh, The Descendants, starring George Clooney, also nominated for that one. Uh, but this is his first movie with Paul Giamatti since Sideways. He's done some other movies with other actors, but this is his first movie since Sideways with Paul Giamatti, and the magic was there. I mean, yep. this was a great, in my opinion, a fantastic movie. It had it was very it was lighthearted, but it had its dramatic moments, and it it was a great picture to see. Who I hope I hope Paul Giamatti gets nominated for an Academy Award for this. I, he was fantastic. He was fantastic, gentlemen. You 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 go right ahead. I think I think this movie kind of it's got so much real real writing, real human interactions, the way that someone you can understand their responses, their 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 inner thoughts, you know, you can understand kind of their their talk track and and I guess internal talk track, right? So it it helps you really empathize and follow exactly what these characters are doing, what they're facing, the, you know, the things that they're up against. And I mean, you even see interactions between these different folks, you know, particularly uh, the teacher and the um, cafeteria woman. There's an inherent respect that you get up and that we're getting, you know, their two stories very separately throughout most of this movie. Right. And here we've got a, a little brief touch point. And, and that happens the same way whenever the 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 student and the teacher go to the school or, or to the to the hospital. Right. You can see this immediate switch flipped and, you know, they they meet run into those people in the park and you get to hear the background of, of what the teachers kind of gone through in the past. And like all these different things just kind of help you have a really clear, vivid picture of who these people are. And that's just really good writing. It's really good writing, in my opinion. It's funny because I kind of watched it under the lens of a sideways viewer. We probably watch it once every like two years or so. And you see a lot of similarities, the storytelling, the natural uh, conversations and situations that people get into. Nothing like glorified, just like a simple human moment. And Mm -hmm. then you get to some of the funny shit and some of the weird stuff. But there's a lot of of humanistic moments in this movie, which I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I mean, Paul Giamatti... Again, he just delivers on it. The guy's got this t- sick talent for it that I really admire. Um, I mean, just looking at him, like on Bill, uh, was it Billions that that he yeah. uh, performs yeah, yeah. on as well? Um, he's just a very engaging actor. He could be funny. He could be serious. He could be all over the place. And again, I just saw so many different elements from Sideways. Which, Derek, I know you've never watched it, but I highly recommend. It's it's quite Sideways. funny. Yeah, it's quite yeah, funny. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious. What does he, what does he say? No Cabernet! No, Mer- Merlot, Merlot. No Merlot! Another fucking Merlot. Another fucking Merlot. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking great, dude. He's It's hilarious, man. It's And it, and he was nominated for it. 
I mean, Thomas Hayden Church, who doesn't get nominated for anything really, and he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that movie. I mean, he did a great job as well, Thomas Hayden Church, in that motion picture. So yeah. it was, I mean, that movie is a fantastic motion picture. I, I saw that movie actually in um, during you know because you know AMC theaters has a has like a, a Oscar showcase. You pay you pay, it's like mm. essentially you you pay for tickets and you watch all the movies that are nominated for best picture in like a, a marathon basically. So now since there's ten movies, they do two days. You can buy ticket for both days, or you can buy one day and watch five. But you watch them all the way through. You get unlimited drinks and popcorn and all that shit, and they. And you know you get a band that you can walk around if you need to or leave if you need to come back for the next movie. They tell you when the time of the next movie is. But I enjoyed that. I, I did that a couple years before kids, of course, before children. <laughs> and uh, and one of the movies. You remember years, going to the movies all day long? Gosh, I've done that. I know that's what I'm saying. It was great. <laughs> it was amazing. And I mean that year I saw I saw Sideways. Sideways was one of the motion pictures. The other year was like Departed, which was great because I got to leave and watch, come back because I had already seen Departed, so it was I was okay. Dude, but, twenty years, twenty years since he made that movie. I know, I know, Look it's it it's nuts, dude. It's wow. nuts. But anyways, what I was saying is that like that's the kind of the thing that Asunder Payne does. If you've seen The Descendants, it's the same thing. It's a family issue, but it's very done. It's done in a very human but funny way. And it, you, it's believable. Like the way the reactions are, the emotions, what they're experiencing. It's like, I can totally see, I mean, I don't want to go through it, but I can see somebody I know or myself reacting the same way, you know, because it's very human the way they act. So, I mean, I totally agree with you on that front. Yeah. I'm just glad it's not a 27-year-old kid portraying a 17-year-old junior. For real. <laughs> For real. For real. Like Toby, it's like Tobey Maguire. anyways but derek since it's your motion picture brother go ahead what is the synopsis uh you're muted but let's have chat gpt spit it out yep good point sorry um (laughs) i was muted uh curmudgeonly instructor at a new england prep school is forced to remain on campus during christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker, and with the school's head cook, who has just lost a a son in Vietnam. So, just to start, which is, that's a great, actually, synopsis. That's a pretty good synopsis. That synopsis is pretty spot on. So, what I thought, just to start from the jump on this motion picture, I love the aspect that they made this motion picture look like it was a movie made in the 70s. Yes. Yeah, why not? Very, uh, really welcome, tastefully done. The like intro. The music all fits, right? Everything fits. But did you the notice? Graphics. Did you notice during the opening credits that, you know, in the 70s, they, uh, they usually basically put all the credits in the beginning in a lot of movies. Yeah. So, but did you notice at the end when they usually show the Roman numerals? The Roman numerals for the motion picture was 1971. Really? Yeah, like I, I checked it. So I was like, "Holy shit!" They went all out. Not only that, in the beginning of the movie, with uh, with the, all the the banners for the different production companies, it was all like '70s style. They even used the yeah. 1970s Universal intro, like yeah, the, the old the red one. banner or the, not yeah. red. It was a red back. Then. I typically red skipped red all that crap and actually watched every single one from the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, I dude, it that. was it was it was cool. But they the, the, they had the bars on the side. 
also, or the top and the bottom mm-hmm. had like bars. Mm-hmm. It had black bars to make the, the screen aspect ratio like smaller. Like four so, to three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was cool. I was like, dude, they really went all out on this movie, dude. And, and I guess even the footage, I guess you could say, was kind of muted with colors. I mean, yes. not only with the yes. season, but I yeah. just, now that you mention all that stuff, it... I guess it muted was. is probably the best word for it. I don't know. Yeah, some and, of the older, it's the older types of uh, film development that they have. Yeah. Kind of like what, uh, a love story, right? Like mm-hmm. That's the first mm-hmm. 70s movie that pops up that similar colors. and Yeah, and dude. You know who, you know, you know who did that a lot um, was like, if you watched like uh, Dazed and Confused or, oh, yes. or Everybody Favorite. Wants Some, if you watch Everybody Wants Some, it's Linklater does that a lot in his movies. He has a kind of like a weird muted style where he does that with his film, where he kind of like does that camera work. But, but yeah, but also like the way they had the shots set up in the motion picture and the way they did all the everything, it was very, very still shots, not a lot of movement. Which, and it was like, they didn't long do a lot lenses of when they long lenses. Yeah. yeah, like it was, and it was a lot of like 70s kind of like style, like directing, which was really mm-hmm. cool, you know? And, you know, it was just, it was cool. Like I, I enjoyed, the motion picture technically for that because a very it was a simple motion picture it was done very simple yeah you know simple and i was story. like okay, yeah. simple story and 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 you know directed beautifully by Atticus under pain i mean and the guys everybody acted well like so i guess we can start from the beginning oh, actually i'm looking at the uh the credited cinematographer yeah he's this guy uh eagle birold mm-hmm. b-y-r I'm sorry, B-R-Y-L-D. Um, he's done a bunch of other films that look very dated. So he must kind of have a That's really strong, really strong uh, you know, skill oh. set for it. Dude, he did In Bruges, The Last King yeah. of Scotland. Yeah, he did You Don't Know Jack with Al Pacino. Oh, he even did The uh, Machine. He's done a lot this yep. year. He's got four movies this year. He's yep. got Extrapolation of the TV show. He's got The Machine. He did No Hard Feelings. It's so funny, like they did a um, like uh, boots, my Kinky. Oh, he did Kinky Boots. That's right. I love that movie. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Nope. Anyways, oh, should watch it. It's a great flick. Anyways, but but yeah, no, it was very good. Like it, 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 they did a great job on the on the technical side. But I was just the the movie has the movies had so much heart. I was really impressed with how much heart was portrayed by the actors in this movie picture. Like like mm-hmm. I think. So okay, so let's go. Let's let's talk about the whole point. The whole point of the holdovers, based on you know the synopsis, is you have these kids who live in. They're all Harry Potters, basically. Right. They all stay for Christmas because they don't go home. Those are the holdovers. Parents are either on their own vacation and they don't want to take their kids, or they 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 live so far away they can't afford to go home. Like right. they had that one Korean kid who. He had to stay because his parents live in Korea. It's too expensive for him to be sent home, so he has to stay there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've even got kids who their parents are rich, care to forget about their children, right? Just to yeah. leave them, you know, so they're out of sight. Um, I mean, and and you know, we don't, you know, all these kids with these these uh, situations that I think are pretty thoroughly painted. We do get a good understanding of why each of them are present. Yeah. Um, you know how everybody ended up in this situation, but mm-hmm. most of them are swept off 
pretty early on in the movie, right? Yeah. I was surprised by that, Derek. When you mentioned that, I thought the helicopter was going to come and pick up the son of the Pratt & Whitney executive, but Mm -hmm. not everybody else. And that's when things kind of like took a turn for me. I was like, oh, shit, this is like ultra focused now. Yeah. So I I thought the story would evolve with him getting close to uh, Angus, Mm -hmm. but with all the other kids surrounding and building stories and stuff and not. Like a Bad News Bears kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, and I thought that too. I remember the helicopter in the trailer, but I was like, okay, well, it hasn't happened yet. So when does this happen? Does Angus go with them as well? You know, later on, it's like all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like a triumphant ending where he actually spends Christmas with somebody. But then when they left, and, and okay, everybody, I understand you probably haven't seen the movie. So go watch the movie. Go. It's probably, I believe it's available <laughs> on digital. We are going to be jumping around a lot because there's a lot of stuff to talk about in the motion picture. Strangely enough, this motion picture has a lot of stuff, not just in funny and comedy stuff, but also in social commentary based on, you know, what was happening in the time. Yeah. So you have the kids, you know, and, you know, they're all hanging out. And of course, you know, the kid who's the Pratt and Whitney kid, he's kind of like the hippie out of the group, kind of. And cause he's a rich kid hippie who his dad. Rich kid hippie sportster, right? Yeah, exactly. Athlete athlete but he's he's like the rebels against his dad but he knows how to pick his dad and all that shit but you know he's just waiting for his dad to kind of crack and just kind of pick him up and he's like i'm gonna wait and eventually it does happen in the beginning and they just they get picked up they make amends but the thing is is that the main character angus tully the other main character of the group he they can't find his parents because his parents are on their honeymoon because the mom remarried. She's on a honeymoon in St. Lucia or St. Kitts. St. Kitts. St. Kitts. Which I've been to St. Kitts. St. Kitts is pretty, but it's not all that. Um, but um, he, uh, they, they don't answer the phone. They don't want to be disturbed because they're probably having an all-night fuck fest. Who knows? But, <laughs> but because of that, Angus gets stuck. So he's, yeah, and he's, uh, he's clearly treated, you know, like, like he doesn't matter. He's left to kind of yes. just feel unimportant and undesired. And, and, you know, somebody wants to forget who I am. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he feels like he's like a second class citizen in his own family. It's yeah. funny. This yeah. reminds me of how many different movies and, and the, Derek, this doesn't apply to you, but how many <laughs> movies in the eighties, Tomas, do you remember watching where they were? I, about I can give you one. I can give you one. Ferris Bueller's or, Day Off. Well, but I'm saying like the whole boarding school situation. Oh, yeah, dude. I thought this was a common thing. Like growing up, I I grew up in a very sheltered Miami, right? You know, I was like, oh, yeah, Yeah. high school's prom is in the gym. Boarding schools are a common thing. Like people just pay for it. Kids go away for months on end to summer camp and disappear and don't see their parents for months. It's like, fuck, this isn't reality. (laughs) You know, fast forward to 2023 after you see all this. Like I've never met anybody that's been to uh, boarding school. Um, good, bad, and different. I don't know if that's that's anything. I don't know if anybody that's had their prom in their fucking gymnasium. But it's just funny how movies kind of shape your perception of how things are done or were done back in the day. Yeah, and and I mean, as far as the, as far as the going away to camp, I've only I've known that now recently, being up here in Georgia, where you have people do that. They go away to camp here in Georgia, but it's still like a three hour drive. Like I'm not. It's like I can't just like get up and go and see my daughter if I was going to no. go drop her off in camp. You know what I mean? So except that you don't see Miami because in Miami it's very sheltered. Yep. It's just you know the Hispanic. I'm not just saying Cuban. 
I can't say Cuban really because it's really Hispanic in general, Latino in general, Miami. You know, you don't leave the house until you get married. That's basically how it is. And you don't go away to college, you know, if you don't if you don't have to. Uh, you don't leave to go to camp ever because you go to camp in Miami. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's one of those things. So, you know, this was definitely something new that I found out to be real. And it was funny, like Alexander Payne, um, I was watching one of the behind the scenes uh, things on this. Alexander Payne did not grow up as that, but the writer of the movie, David Hemmingson, did. He went to boarding school in New England, and he remembers friends of his being holdovers. Interesting. That is very neat. So that it was something that full circle now. Yeah, yeah, that was him. And so, so you know, coming back to Angus's character, he gets left behind, and it definitely brings up a lot of emotions for the kid because he just feels like. Once again, he's been rejected by his parents, you know, and it's not just that it's Paul Giamatti's character. Also, he's kind of like, so we find out from Paul Giamatti's character that nobody likes him and you can kind of get the gist of it. He's the, you know, in the, in the trailer that nobody likes him, but in the beginning of the movie, within five minutes of the movie, we find out that the guy who's supposed to be handling the holdovers bitched and moaned to the headmaster that his mom had lupus. And he has to go home for Christmas, so he can't be a holdover. Yeah. So what? So what do they do? They pawn him off for the one guy who has no family and is a teacher there, which is Mr. Hunnam. Yeah, and he doesn't character. even he doesn't go home for the holidays himself. He doesn't have anywhere else to go. This because is he lives in the apartment. Yeah. He lives in the apartment, his own apartment. So it's just it's wild. And then and then you find out from this guy that like everybody hates him. Even the headmaster hates him. <laughs> so who it's a former like, student. Who yeah. was a former student of his? So here's the thing. Like I noticed that there was so much attention to detail in this. Okay. Um you know, you know the scene whenever it's one of the first scenes where he's he's in his office grading papers and someone interrupts him, and it's the woman who's basically summoning him to the principal's office because yes. you know, he needs him for something. But she's also there to deliver cookies that she's baked. Yes. Which we you see know, her later, Miss uh, Miss Crane. Yes, absolutely. A, a pretty influential character throughout the she series. She was, she um, was, she was. Um, but the thing that caught me, because I, I was fortunate enough to be able to watch this on the TV and, you know, it's a big screen and you get to see all the details and the pixels and whatnot rather yeah. than doing it like on your phone or on an iPad. Um, yeah. And... She has like lipstick smudged on her, her teeth. teeth. Yes. Yeah. I caught this. Which, so which, 70s. Is, which is a thing that is real that that happens to women or anyone yes. who wears lipsticks of that matter. I did not and notice that. It's a lot less common now because I think, well, I don't know. I think a lot of lipsticks are better than they were, but all the same, like they're taking the point to make this character not flawless, but maybe more genuine. Mm hmm. I mean, who's even paying attention? Most people are going to stream this through, you know, whatever Netflix or something. And, you know, it's just going to get degraded down to remove whatever that nuance was. But only the handful of people that watch like a home purchased copy will see how great this looked. And I'm sitting here thinking like, man, what a what a good payoff. Like, let's let's do that some more. For real. And and she and she and she did a great job with the character. When you see her again, Mm -hmm. like I said, we're jumping around. When you see her again, when. When Angus and uh, and uh, and Hunnam are and, and Mr. Hunnam are having dinner in the restaurant in town, mm-hmm. okay, 
and uh, until after, she's working, until she's working, and, and and okay, we're gonna rewind a bit here. That that when he finds out that he doesn't go and he can't go, he gets so pissed he runs away from 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 Hunnam, and he ends up jumping the in the gym, going to the gym, and Hunnam's like, "You can't go in there." It was just uh, they just Barbie put the lacquer down, or whatever. Yeah, Paulus put the lacquer down. You can't go in there, and he's like, "I'm going in," and he's like, "You can't. You do this, you're gonna get screwed." Like he's like telling him, like they're giving him all the threats, and then he runs and flips the child, the horse, the pommel horse, and lands on his back, and you hear him scream. But there's a, there's like a two second pause before you yes. hear the scream, which is like, okay, he biffed it. He's okay. And all of a sudden, he's like, ah. Ah, and you see, you see, like Hunnam's face is like Pajiamani's face is just so great, like his eyes just ball, like oh my god, you made me do this, like all this stuff. And you find out that the kid had his like shoulder dislocated from the flip, and mm-hmm. then they go to the hospital. And when they go to the hospital to get the get it done, which was a great scene too, when he goes to get the his shoulder put back into place, yeah. and you they, they 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 don't show the scene, they don't show it happening. But they show Paul Giamatti's character when he when he gets it going and he finally like gets it popped. You see Paul Giamatti like, and he's about to throw up in a second, like right there. It's just like, oh, and like the oh scream, my, the agony. Yeah, of that. Yes, no. yes. He's like, oh Jesus! <laughs> just like, Paul Giamatti was is I can't get over how he good he is this movie. But from there, he takes him to a bar, and he keeps talking about Miller High Life as a champagne of beers the entire movie. Angus Tully. Yep. But while they're at the bar, Miss Crane pops up and she's the waitress at the bar getting extra work on break. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's where we see her with the and, and then we see her later on. And it's just it's 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 a great like conversation like a nice between her and Hunter. Dynamic, right? Yeah. Like right. It's almost like, people. like a nice dynamic, almost like flirting. But obviously it wasn't flirting, but it was how he interpreted it. Yeah, well, I mean, we Later. see how we see how he doesn't get any 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 sort of, of positive affection from anyone in his world, right? He's got students that hate him, coworkers that hate him, no family to call to, like no nope. one cares that this man is alive. And here you have this one woman who gives him attention, recognizes him as a human, and treats mm-hmm. him like he's not a total dickwad, and like obviously he misinterprets that as you know some sort of love affection but you know all the same like he's such a like everyone else he's kind of damaged and you know he, that's his weakness right he doesn't get affection from anyone so he's starved for it right yeah yeah you yeah, see him throughout the series like gravitate toward this woman yeah and we see that um also you know because they mention the smell mm, yeah the so no, 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 no. He's, not got, the he's got some, he's got like some disease or something like that that causes his, him to stink. Oh. Yeah, his body, his body for some reason doesn't, um, it's like a hydrothalamuria or whatever. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, like it's, it's a chemical in his body that doesn't get processed. And because it doesn't get processed, it gets released through his pores. So he has like a smell of like a like fish smell. Because they mention it in the beginning, before he actually mentions it to Angus Tully after that whole Miller High Life scene, which we also see Angus Tully doesn't really have like social cues, can't read social cues, where mm-hmm. he he says things where they she shouldn't be saying them, um, which is another way of like kids who like one either kids who are too rich to understand or kids that don't have you know social understanding 
by being either in prep school or they just in general have, you know, that type isolation of or isolation or somewhere exactly. on the spectrum or something like that. Exactly. And he's one of those kids where he doesn't read social cues very well. And he just kind of blurts out everything that goes through his head. And he almost gets into a bar fight with a one handed <laughs> hook dude because of the, the pinball machine, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's, but when they're in the car, me, it just felt like he was feeling, he, he was being entitled. Yes. And, so and while, while he probably didn't, um, was it trying to be I, an asshole? Well, and I think like Righteous. we don't really ever get confirmation that Angus's past father, his, well, not, not dead father, apparently, but his, his dad is that he wasn't wealthy. Right. No, we, we only know that his Step new dad. stepfather is now wealthy. Yes, right. So it was. could have very well been that he was living a very average life until his dad got sick. And then when they split, he, you know, got into this wealth very recently. Yes. Um, but all the same, you know, being in a school full of people who have that that personality type, right? Entitlement. Um, I mean, I could see it rubbing off, you know. Yeah. Especially if sure. you're trying to navigate navigate, you know, who he is and you know, you're in the teen angst years, right? Yeah. And I mean and and and, and this is a kid who's like really smart because he's the only kid that had a yep. B plus on all the papers that we saw from Hunnam's class. Yep. Right. And and the minute he got it, he hit it. You saw that, right? Like the minute he mm-hmm. got it, he covered it with his book because he didn't want anyone else. Because everyone else was failing; they all failed. Everyone else got D's and F's. You know, yeah, he so doesn't want, he doesn't want to rub in his classmates' fa- uh, face, and I'm sure that you know he's already kind of a bit of a nerd and gets picked on as it is. So he doesn't I think he's, stand out. And I think he's the new kid. Mm, sure. Well, yeah, you it's know? his fourth school or something it's like his that. Fourth right? school, so he's so he's just started that semester at that school. God knows when he started, but he's just started that semester at that school. So he's still he's still dealing with the aspect of he's probably either a junior or a senior. He's probably a junior. And uh and he's a junior that is brand new to a boarding school of kids that have probably been together since the sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? Crazy like crazy to even which think. is nuts. Which is which was my high school also. You know, I, my high school started. I had I had kids that I graduated with in my high school that had been there since K two. Jesus, you know what I mean? So so it's they're all it's buddy buddy. They're all they're yeah. I mean they're all so already. Well, they all know they all know each other. You know, so he's yeah. he's already on the outside looking in. You know, so it's one of those things where yeah, you can totally see that he's just trying to. He's exerting, trying to exert himself even more and more. And he's just so used to doing that, that it comes across, possibly comes across. Granted, we don't know this. We're all only watching a movie and this is a small snippet of this kid's life. But he's coming across more and more as that. And he just can't get past that point because he has to do that on a daily basis. It's his new normal. So, I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. But yeah, then we see him go outside and they, they talk. And then, of course, you know, Hunnam talks about his smell where he can't get that chemical. But earlier in the motion picture, we see him having a real nice moment, which with Miss um, Lamb, Mary Lamb, who's the cafeteria lady. And we're going to talk about her in a minute. And they're watching the newlywed show. The newlywed show. Newlywed show. And. And in the newlywed show, she she met she motioned like, oh, 
you, you, you've never been in love? And he's like, yeah, I was in love once. And he's like, oh, was it? And you guys broke up because of this? And she's like waving at her armpits. And he's like, what? Like he's not, he's not even like registering. I'm sure he's actually registering the conversation, but he doesn't want to talk about it. But he's he like, and he's like, not an asshole to, you know, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's like, oh, this? And he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean that? And she's like, oh, nothing. And she doesn't want to talk about it again because she doesn't know. She's like, like, you need to explain she, it to him. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know. But but you – and then when he talks about it, you're like, oh. And then you mentioned – and then earlier in the movie, they call him – of course, because of his eyes. They call him walleye hunter because <laughs> of a walleye <laughs> fish. But – Oh gosh. You know what I mean? Like, and then of course, let's talk about Paul Giamatti's eye. His eye. I see you. I see you. I see you. And I see you to my left and I see you to my right. It's it's funny how like they I mean they must have written this into the movie, obviously, for him, right? But this this is so well done. Like and and he he does this joke throughout the whole thing. He's he's kind of in on it the whole time, right? I mean, and and they even pointed out like he's he's like it's this one, you know, versus that one or whatever, you know. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's funny to me yeah. how they they it was kind of an inside joke between the audience and you know the movie uh, the, the the actors, right? Yeah. What do you call it? The fourth dimension, right? Yeah. So the fourth like wall. Fourth wall. Well, it's. You know, talking about fish, I, I was just reading an article right now and the smell, you know, a lot of these actors take the whole method acting to the next degree. Mm-hmm. So they were, people asked him, like, did you make your character smelly? He didn't. He didn't venture into, you know, making his character actually smell no. um, for the sake of messing with people. But I just thought that was funny in terms of method acting where you hear all these crazy ass stories and. That would that would have been funny, <laughs> but yeah, nobody. The, yeah. the big mystery with the eye. We still, even prior to this podcast, we still don't know if it was yeah. CGI, a prosthetic, an actual eye disease that Paul Giamatti may have. I think it's real, and I, I don't think know. He's, it's I think I, th- I think he's a badass, and he could just do that with his eye. Well, I, I mean, we, and we it probably hurts like a bitch. We were looking it up before we started recording, and. Um, he did an interview with people and he said it's, it's with a like people, secret. people like the people, like, like people, like persons. Oh, the magazine. My bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Dumb. <laughs> sorry. No, you're, you're, you're saying he says to their, the interviewee um, interviewer that um, it's, it's, it's a state secret. I can't tell you. I've been sworn to secrecy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it can't tell you if it's real or not. I can't tell you if it was movie magic or if it was, you know, CGI or whatever. And nope, no one. He just, and it's kind of another, yet again, another joke between the cast and, audience, you know. And I mean, I love that at the, the end of the movie where he points to, look at this one. It's this one. You know what I mean? Like he, he points to the eye you're right. supposed to look at. Because like, Angus to ask him, which eye am I supposed to look at? I never know. I never know. <laughs> you know, it's, and so, Okay, so jumping around a little bit, let's talk about Miss Lamb, mm-hmm. which was a great character, and she and and Divine Joy Randolph, she played that character to the best of her ability. I think she was great. I think she was fantastic. No. I thought she like was I, I, I was immediately empathetic and understood what this character was thinking, what they were experiencing, and it, you immediately want to 
it, it draws you in. Like you want to know more, right? Tell, show me more yeah. of what you're experiencing or how you're feeling or whatever. And her, her whole story essentially pinpoints us in the current year, right? Cause they show yeah. the, the, the son's uh, picture in 1970. So you're like, okay, cool. I am in 1970, 1971. That kind right. of helped ground me. You know, you'd always talk about current events and stuff like that, but right. that really like zoned me in into what was going on. And well, I mean, it's, it, it's, you kind of have like these, you don't, you don't have any real confirmation because, you know, people may, may or may not have been reading, you know, the copyright date of 70 something, you know, on the, the rated R or whatever. But once you're made aware, like this is because of the Korean War, like, okay. I'm with Korea, it's Viet, Vietnam. Uh, it's Vietnam. Vietnam War, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. So like it, it just really does give you that really firm understanding of like this is kind of a date time piece, right? But mm-hmm. it still applies all these emotions that these people are going through and, and you immediately empathize with them. It's not like uh, experiencing a new world. This is like, I was I expecting a little bit more about civil rights or discrimination. Kind of like over the top. Didn't go into yeah. too much detail about it, but yeah, I was kind yeah. of waiting for that angle to kind of take take hold, but they just kind well, of touched, scraped over it. Well, it's it's it was more so the aspect of Vietnam where you have, you know, where he was a young black man who did very well in that school. You know, according to what was inferred, he oh, was man. a very good student at that school. And it was the only reason you go to that school was because she worked there. Yeah. But that right. he did very well in the school. But because they didn't have enough money, he couldn't go to a prestigious Ivy League school. So for him to make the money to do that, he had to no, go to Vietnam. No, he, because, no, he had to. Uh... Anybody who was enrolled in university had an exemption from the draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he couldn't because he couldn't get into a school that he, he wanted. Couldn't, he couldn't afford the school, so he didn't have the exemption, so he had so to go to the draft. So he had to go to the draft, and that's what happened. He Then he died in Vietnam. And well, and we hear about Mary's problem with mm-hmm. these little dipshits who treat her like trash. They, like they the hired her, help. Like the, like hired, the help. hired help. And yep. she has to serve them all day long, and they get to be there because they can afford it mm-hmm. and they'll be able to afford university and they won't have to actually work through any of this. They're going to get whatever they want handed to them. And student she, deferment. And, and she keeps having to realize that, you know, my son couldn't have that. He had to go here, had to do this. And this is why he's dead because he didn't have the same, you know, um, privilege as, as you know, these people that are obviously well to do in the time. Right. Tough to swallow. It is a tough pill to swallow. And I mean, it was one of those things that it's, and it's not something that it's not, it wasn't like a, that's not a, um, I guess you could say an isolated incident back then. I mean, you, there was a plenty of stories of that happening where you had young black men who just couldn't, you know, they couldn't get to school. And so the GI bill was the only thing, but they had to go out to Vietnam. They had to go into the draft to be able to do that. And, you know, it was just, it's one of those things that was not, it wasn't like it wasn't happening. It was definitely something that was happening back then. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I mean, it's, this is another thing because like we see how, okay. So we know that, we know that, um, Paul Hunnam, the teacher mm-hmm. is that he's staying behind because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. 
and we get the story between each of these children, you know, whether their parents are avoiding them or they're having some kind of spat or, you know, whatever it be. Um, but, you know, the reason that we learn that Mary is staying behind is because she because she's just lost her son. She doesn't want to be around family. She wants to kind of mourn through the holiday on her own. No. She's all holed up in this school and only has the excuse of work, right? Rather than going to see her sister who's just had a child and or is pregnant or something like that, right? Um, and, you know, by the end of the story, we get to see that she's kind of healed a little bit and understood a little bit more and, and more comfortable with, you know, celebrating the holidays with family. But like, we really get a really thorough picture of the the place that she's in, in that moment. And I mean, we see that with almost every single character, even the character who's um, what's the kid that he's always worried about his cigarettes or something like that. Uh, Teddy, Teddy, I think was his name. Um, Very, very clean cut boy, very short, very, um, like built. He was like the, like the sporty kid, I think. Um, like he's just gets swept away and he thinks that, you know, well, this was coming to me anyway. I was entitled to this. Somebody yeah. was going to come and get me. I was not going to stay here. I'm, I'm better than that. Yeah. And like these clear understandings of just, it's that writing. It's the writing over and over and over again. Writing over is and over again, dude. I mean, and, and one of the best things that it's just, the conversations that they're having, which is amazing, this motion picture, the conversations and the way they talk to each other is so great. And it reminds me like a lot for me, it reminds me of like a lot of the writing for like Dazed and Confused. And it's a lot and, of dialogue, man. A very, lot of dialogue. A lot of dialogue. Like they're like the conversation that like there's the like, uh, oh, okay. So case in point, talking about uh, Miss Lamb, when she's feeding them uh, chicken and asparagus and you know, she's giving them the food and all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Hunnam, Paul Hunnam tells her, hey, Mary, why don't you eat with us? And then that one kid, I forgot his fucking name, that one little piece of it's shit. the same kid. Teddy Koontz. Yeah, Teddy Koontz. Yeah. He looks up Teddy like, cunt. what are you? Teddy Cunt, that's what he is. <laughs> so, Teddy fucker. So, no, he... uh he looks up and was like, "Like, why like are you going to ask that with us? Yeah. Like she, like, like, what like, are you, she's less than. She's less than them. And then, and then when she leaves, she she realizes it. He's like, "No, I'm good. I'm I'm not hungry. Whatever." She walks away, and he's like, he's like telling her like, "Why are you gonna do that?" And it, and he he has one of the best lines. He's like, he's like, "Life is a shit is is a what is this? is a is a is a shit is a hen shit house ladder. It's short. Life is a life is a hen house ladder. It's short and full of shit." You know what I mean? Like, just basically telling her, like, her life is not as good as your life, no. but you can't, doesn't mean you can treat people like they're a piece of shit because of it, kind of thing. Like, like everybody was, has to deal with shit, and, and that he has to understand that other people yeah. are just going through the same shit themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's got their own things going on. And what's that? There's that, that, uh, I don't know if he's a shitty writer. Or life, is, life is like a hen house ladder, shitty and short. That's what it was. The you don't don't attribute uh, malice to ignorance. Exactly. And like people got their own shit going on. Now, sometimes they're assholes. Right. But sometimes they don't even care about you and they're not worried about their own shit. Right. And like later on, we see that Mary brings up, you know, I I could hear everything on this side of that wall. And I appreciate the things that you said. 
Yeah. And like, I mind you, you know, you're not a good person so that people see you, but I'm sure it's nice to be rewarded, right? Acknowledged for being the better person, right? Exactly. And, you know, he didn't know that she was listening. He, he was just doing what was right, right? No. Yeah. He, and, 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 and he, he does that because he knows that these kids are just a bunch of fucking little pieces of shit, assholes, and that he has to at least call them out on their shit because no one else will. Do you think that... Um, Hunnam's character, Giamatti's uh, character, was like identifying with Mary's uh, Mary as a character. Like, was he like acknowledging that we both are suffering through, you know, these children, and we we hate them both for different reasons, but we hate these children. They're all entitled snobs, and they ought to be better. And like, they're they're. There got to be somehow bonding over that, right? Commiserating. Yeah. I could yeah. see that. Uh, I mean, yeah. I could see a layer of that. Obviously, again, you you kind of hit on <clears throat> hit on the the loss of her son, the loss of her uh, fiance or the father of her son, right? She never got married. So she's got her own demons to deal with, but yeah, I I well, her, totally her, see her yeah, the, the baby's daddy passed before he was born and then she lost her son in this war. And so like, she's just had one thing taken away from her after another. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and th- that's, that's one thing that you can see that she's, she's dealt with loss in a lot of different ways. She dealt with the loss of her fiance and then she deals with loss of her own, of her only child. And she's probably not going to have another kid, more than likely. And she's just going to be dealing with her life at that point now. And but, but we see when she she goes to her sister, yes, that she's not alone. Maybe yes. she's not going to be remarried. Maybe she won't have another child. Mm-hmm. But she's not alone in this moment. And and for that matter, Paul Hunnam doesn't need to be either. He's just kind of chosen to put himself there. Yeah, and, and and he and you can see that's kind of kind of like a turning point for Hunnam as well, where he's starting to experience that he needs that human interaction. He doesn't need to be by himself anymore. You know, he's starting to see that you know Tully has changed something in him because he is he's allowing more human interaction between himself, Tully, or even with Mary Lamb. Because Mary Lamb, she she said in the beginning she didn't want to go to her sister's. Because right. she didn't want to be... She felt like she was kind of doing a disservice to her son, I guess. You know, because he was gone mm-hmm. and she was going to enjoy herself for Christmas. But then, sure. you know, after... When, when Christmas happened, you know, she realized that she wanted to have that family interaction. So she decided to go to her sister's. And she changed her mind. Well, she gives herself permission to like grieve mm-hmm. in a different way. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, I don't think that she was consciously making that choice, no, but no. she certainly felt as though the only proper choice for her to make was to be alone during one of the most family oriented celebration seasons mm-hmm. yeah. in the, the, you know, America. Right. So this clearly 
I mean, you go through lots of different things, right? Grieving and, and doubt, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, all the regret and various things thinking yep. you know, that you can, yep. should have done something different, that somehow this was your own fault or somehow that you could have changed the outcome here. And like, there's lots of different phases that people go through. And like, this is really cool to see how she grows out of that. Yes. Right. But you, you how see she, that low point though, with her at the party though, right? And her coworker nice is her a, a nice guy who's trying to, that, that I think he's one of the janitors. He's Danny. Yeah. Danny clearly being very friendly and very patient he's on her. And, he's hitting on her a lot, but he's also, and, just, he's being patient with her. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, I guess it's refreshing to see somebody, um, not take that to a dark place and yes. just be, appropriate right mm-hmm. a lot of times when we see somebody who's getting hitting on it's either, it's either uh a soap opera meant to you know be lovely and forever like a fairy tale thing or it's unwanted yeah. right Sexual nowhere in between right and he's just he's just trying to be supportive yeah and he and he just wants to help her through whatever situation she's going through which is which is a and i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because i thought it was a beautiful relationship he was just trying to be there for her and just make sure that she understood that she had people that was loving her. Yeah. Even if it seemed like, you know, while he obviously had some sort of, of love interest in her, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was no point that you ever felt like he was um, uncomfortable with less or um, uh, going to force anything of any sort or really push for anything. Right. Even he's just kind of, I can just be a nice guy and support this person who is a great person and, and I work with and I enjoy being around and I, um, I respect this person and like just kind of letting that be enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For the moment and very subtle. And he was very, he was being, he was being a simp. I'm kidding. This (laughs) This is more of that writing then. This is is making people real, giving us real situations. Exactly. You don't have to be dramatic. Not everything we do is glamorous. You don't have to be an asshole. Yeah, maybe you're just a nice guy and maybe she's not into you. (laughs) Maybe he's being being a real ducky kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things. And he was, and and that's one of the things I loved about that guy, Danny, because he showed up a couple times, but he showed up the best time was when he showed up with the bucket and the mop and he's like, Hey, I was in the gym and I saw somebody vomited in the gym and he just mm-hmm. like dropped the mop <laughs> in the, the bucket. bucket for them. And he's like, and he's like, and he looks at him, he's like, You're crazy. And he just walks away. <laughs> <It's> just like, <laughs> it's just, you know, and, and this all of a sudden he's like, you see him earlier in the movie, he doesn't really do much. But then he just starts showing up more and more in the movie. You're like, I really like Danny. I love this guy. He's a great character. And it's just one of those things with the movie. was like, this once again, just great writing in the motion picture. It's just fantastic writing in the motion picture. And the portrayals were great. But you're right. Like, at the party, because once again, like, we're jumping around. They get invited. Miss Crane invites them to a party at her house, a Christmas party. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and at the party, you know, you know, she is handling the music because, you know, everybody's a bunch she's of crazy. Decided. She's, she's appointed decided. Herself. She's appointed herself as handling the music because they're all a bunch of crazy white people and they don't understand music, good music at parties, which I can, I totally get. Um, I've been to a lot of white uh, people parties and they just, you know, they don't do that great. 
in Miami, especially. So we all handle the music in Miami, the Hispanic people. So the we're not good at music that makes you dance. dance. Okay. No, we're not they're good. Mo- we're not they're, good most, at that. they're mostly hanging out, quote unquote, hanging out. But yeah. but the, the they're handling the music, and then and he's like, and Danny shows up. He's like, oh, I I've been I've been appointed to handle the music. He's like, oh yeah, who told you to do that? He's like myself, and and it was, <laughs> it, and it was great, and and the music was good. But you could tell that she was already getting into a space, like her head, because it was Christmas Eve, and you're getting into she her she was getting into the headspace of my son's not here. She was drinking, and then it hit. She hit rock bottom in the kitchen, and you could tell that they were really having trouble handling her. And she, you know what I mean? Like it. It was. It was a. It was a very human scene. You know what I mean? To have mm-hmm. her experience that, and you can see that. And it was something like like we said earlier in the motion picture, earlier in the in the show. You know, Alexander Payne does this. He does this in a lot of his movies, like Descendants. These are all real human emotions, real human reaction to the situation that these characters are experiencing. And that is something that I can see. I mean, I have thankfully, you know, knocking on wood where I can find it. I've never lost a child, thankfully. But I can see that if someone who has lost a child would react that way during Christmas, you know, where they just are in so much pain at that moment that they just need to let it out in some form or fashion. And that was just her way of letting it out. Because the next scene we have with her, she's decided to go be with her sister because she needed that moment. She needed that time. So I just, I just, I don't know, dude. It's that writing, dude. I'm telling you. I don't know. Like this, it reminds me so much of, um, I don't know if we ever watched this movie, but it's one of my favorites. It's kind of a more modern day um, Ferris Bueller movie with um oh my gosh he was the anton anton Yelkin 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 um it's uh charlie bartlett oh you've talked about it you've talked i've seen it i haven't seen it for a long time but you've talked about it i love that movie but the writing is real right it's what humans sound like how we talk to each other the situations we're put in it's not it doesn't feel like a, a picture perfect or dramatized sort, sort of situation. I mean, even uh, what was that movie with uh, Mel Gibson and a puppet beaver or something like that? The you know beaver, yeah. About? The beaver, yeah, the yeah. beaver. It is very sim- similar. Great writing that makes you believe these people are genuine and, and human, right? It's it's just those movies kind of stick with me sometimes because they're so good, dude. You know who they're directed so that movie? Who? Jodie Foster. Which one? Sure. The Beaver. Oh, really? She was his wife oh, in the yeah. movie, and she was his wife in the movie, and yeah. she uh, and she directed the movie. She wrote and directed that movie. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great job. I mean, the Beaver movie was. Um, I I don't like it as much as I like Charlie Bartlett, but it's still a really solid movie. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where you know, like, and 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 every those kinds of movies have their place. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like where you, you, they're not a movie where you're going to watch over and over and over again. But when sure. you watch them, you like really appreciate them. Like I haven't seen the movie, the, like the, the, the first Mel Gibson's first director movie, uh, the man without a face, mm-hmm. but that, that movie good. is a fantastic motion picture and I haven't seen it in years. And I know that I'm going to love it the next time I watch yep. it, you know? And it's one of those movies that, you know, you, you it, it's just, it's based on, like I said, human, best human, good writing, but also good directing. 
who, who sure. if a director yeah. understands human interactions and how you're supposed to portray that emotion. And that's something that Alexander Payne did well for this movie and like the, the Descendants and Sideways where you have these broken individuals that are dealing with a situation. Now, granted, Descendants is a little bit more harsh as far as the situation is concerned, but Holdovers is harsh in the sense of you have people who feel like they're not loved during the holidays, which is a tough time. You know what I mean? You know, where if you have family, you know, in the sense of Angus Tully, you have family that doesn't want to bring you home for Christmas. For a kid who's in high school, that's tough. That's a tough thing. You know, abandonment. It's it's so real. Top of, we find out the father is in, he's dead. They infer he's dead, but he's not dead. He's, He's basically gone because his mind does not exist in this realm. He's in an insane asylum. I'm gonna I'm gonna just cue up the the Eric response of this is what good filmmaking is because you felt something. <laughs> and look, Eric, if you're out there, uh, <laughs> I left this film very happy and warm-hearted. It I didn't was. need to feel like shit at the end. <laughs> and, 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 and you didn't. And it was it had a bittersweet ending, but you were happy with the characters because it was the it was the the way the movie ended. I think was the right way to end it. Yeah, very fair, right. and and still very deserving of being classified as both a comedy, both a drama, mm-hmm. well balanced human storytelling yeah and, and, and so let's talk about the ending so real quick so let's talk about the All ending right. uh in the in the motion picture when they were ending the motion picture you have the parents find out basically that he went to go visit his father and they said the the the, the, the mom and the stepdad basically say that because he went to go visit his father his father now has to be moved because he is experiencing now, I guess, some external trauma. I guess the dad, because he's they were son. saying that the uh, the asylum would not keep him any longer because he was becoming problematic wow. again. Problematic again because he went to go see his son because his son right. went to go see him. Yeah, he triggered it. He triggered. He something. triggered his dad because right. now his dad wants to see his son more, and it's it's something that that they've had to like, and you know, of course, because of Hunnam didn't know about all this, he was just trying to help the son through a hard time. And he pushed it back on the parents. He's like, I called you. I tried to talk to you. You were unavailable. You yep. left your son here. And I had to deal with him. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't want to deal with him, but I had to. So I, I am not going to deny. I had to parent your son. I had to parent your son. He's like, I am not going to deny his this your son to see his father. And, you know, and in the whole process, you find out that, you know, so that kid can stay. So Angus can stay in school. He has to quit. Yeah, he, he falls on the sword. He had to fall on right? the sword. And he was happy to do so because he realized that I need to do something better with my life. And he realized he's going to go and fucking travel like he always talked about in the motion yeah. picture. I'm yeah. going to go travel and I'm going to write a book. It's it's pretty cool. Like you see all that growth. You've got the growth from yeah. Hunnam. You've got growth from uh, Mary Lamb where she's managing that entire kitchen staff. And then you assume Tully is just going to continue through the next two years and be grateful. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, some sort of laser focus and becomes less of a dick. After, hopeful, yeah. <laughs> after you know this, uh, 
I'm going to call it ghost of Christmas future sure. where his hand is forced. He must leave. Like that was the nail in the coffin. The certainty that this character had changed was going to be different has like is now a new person. Mm-hmm. And like that just ensures that there's no ambiguity about it. We didn't have to, you know, hope that somehow he was a positive, you know, loving and excitable teacher from here on out. We know that he had to leave and had to go and start a new path, you know? And, and, and this is the kind of person, this is one of the things that like I totally, and this is just me inferring based on the character and the type of person the character is. He's leaving town and he's going to go find some place to put his, this is me inferring. Okay. Finds a place to put his storage shit, still storage. And then he's just going to go travel the world because he's the, he seems like the kind of person that would literally save every single dollar. Because he lives yeah. like a hermit. Right. So he's going to have enough money to travel the world and go where he needs to go and do his thing. And he's the kind of person that would do all that stuff and be able to live his life and be fine. Because that, that's what you kind of you hope for with the yeah. character that he is. Yeah, I mean, you know, Especially in the 70s with the way that how strong the dollar was at that point. I think he's going to do all right. I mean, theoretically, I mean, if he's staying on campus and and doesn't have anyone that he loves, he's certainly not sending packages and love and presents and money elsewhere. He's probably sitting on a pretty penny. Yeah, that's a little nest egg. Yeah, he's going to do okay. Especially in the 70s with the way the the, the dollar was in the 70s. Oh, buddy. Buddy. He's doing all right. He's going to be okay. And I mean, it was just... You know, and, and that's one of the things that I thought was, was great is just that, like, you know, you can infer what you want from the motion picture, but, you know, you can see all the characters had a resolution, the, the loose ends were tied up, and yep. they were going to succeed. Or yeah. you, you think, you hope. Or grow or move forward. Or grow I mean, and move forward as, as characters. So, which well, was I mean, great. We, just, we have the certainty that they were changed by these yes. experiences, right? They're no yes. longer the same, right? Maybe, I mean, we still don't know if, you know, uh, Tully is still going to grow up to be some sort of little fucking dick. Who knows, right? It could happen. But we've already been given the picture of he's probably going to be all right. And, yeah. and Mary's going to spend time with her family and Paul's going to travel the world and actually get some done, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man, I might've picked uh, one of the perfect Christmas movies out there. It was good, man. You picked a good one. I cannot deny that you picked a good one. So let's go ahead and go to our rating guys. If you don't mind. All right, Sure. Sure. Let's do it. All right. So I am going to give a rating on this motion picture. I'm going to give it a solid eight. All right. I'm, I'm right there with you, dude. Right there with you. I mean, the motion right. picture it, directing was great. The writing was fantastic. The acting was amazing. I mean, it, I don't know if you guys know this, but I looked it up. What they're nominated for Golden Globes, nominated for Best Picture, Comedy and Musical, no shit. Best Leading Actor for Paul Giamatti, Comedy or Musical, and Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture for Divine Joy Randolph. She's already, just so you guys know, She's already won the New York Film Critics Circle Best Supporting Actress. She's already won Best Supporting Actress for the National Board of Review. And she's already won the LA Film Critics Award for Best Supporting Actress. Just for this so film. This is, just this for is, this film. This is Divine Joy? This is Divine Joy Randolph from Miss Rachel Man, Bland. I'm not surprised. She I'm was surprised. awesome. She's she was fantastic. awesome. She was fantastic. Paul Giamatti won for um, the Best Actor for in the National Board of Review. That's the only one he's won. And that that usually is a good sign in regards to Golden Globe and Oscars. But 
Jose Mourinho did a great job. I don't I don't want to discount it. Um, I think I expected that much from him. Yeah. And Divine Joy caught me totally off guard. She was amazing. Like I didn't I I not I just I, love, I didn't know her. I didn't know I, her as I love as, her as, New as England accent. I love her New England accent. It was yeah. awesome. It was great. <laughs> it was, she was I mean, great. It was great. It's convincing. She was great. Right? She was awesome, dude. But yeah, no, it was it was awesome. Like it, it, it's a solid eight in my book. So yep. It, All right, Elias, where same, you at, man? Same, dude. I same? I I felt connected to the story. I followed throughout. I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed again the cinematic feel of the film as mm-hmm. a tr- true timepiece. Um, getting close to the characters and kind of engaging through that progression of life the highs the lows and then the recovery um i feel like it hit on all ends man i have really enjoyed it i'm still debating whether or not we could classify it as a christmas uh, movie but uh oh my god come on dude seriously bro oh my god the whole whole we needed something controversial man come on oh my god (laughs) not even a fucking christmas well no there were christmas trees sorry there were there were i think it It was a christmas there were christmas parties i take it back i take it back oh i want to gut punch you so hard right now (laughs) Uh, all right thank you elias and eight okay um my ratings uh how well it was made i gave it a 4.4 um okay this is, in my opinion, a 4.5 and above is worth studying, like, critically. Um, this is really fantastic. I don't know if it's on the same level as, you know, some of the films that we've talked about being discussed in colleges and so forth. But yeah. I could definitely understand if it was on someone's list. Like, this is this is that close. Um, mm-hmm. And then how much I enjoyed it, I give it a 3.9. Um, I did that because... If it hits a four, it's something I watch regularly, and I will probably only watch this a few more times in my life. But so you have an, I did an eight three. It's an eight three, so that brings good. our average to an eight point one. So let's see, that's uh, not let's see, not as good as the Count of Monte Cristo, but it was better than Ghost in the Shell. We did that. Yeah, we did that. We did that. That was oh, your gosh. anime. That was one of your anime yeah. picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did pick that. Oh, that's before Eric left. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay, so it's better than Ghost in the Shell. I can see that. Nice, nice. All right, well, so it's an eight point three, which is a pretty good, pretty good, nice, not eight, bad, eight actually, one. really good. Eight, eight one, eight one, eight one, eight, yeah. eight one. Yeah. So okay, so based on that information, all right. So what are some Christmas top shelves, guys? One, one from each of you. Uh, Derek, give me one, dude. All right. I'm going to break the rule and I'm going to give you a movie that I mentioned a moment ago. It is not specifically a Christmas movie. It is just very similar in how these characters are all really, really fleshed out and written. Charlie Bartlett. Go okay. check it out. That's a okay. really solid movie. Robert De Niro. I'm not Robert De Niro. Robert Downey Jr. Um, and uh, he Anton He did that Yelkin. movie right after, right after he did uh, Iron Man. It was right after he did Iron Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's about the right time. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, really great writing talks of, uh, you know, teenagers growing up and maturing and, and really growing into, you know, adults and, uh, concerns around suicide and pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, uh, who's the other girl? Um, Kat Denning is in it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's in that one too. She does. Um, she's good. She's in like, she's the MCU. Uh, what is she doing? Oh, yeah, she did. Um, she's in Thor Marvel movies too, right? She was in, yeah, um, she's in Thor. She's in Thor. Wow, no, no, no. very a young Cat Dennings. 
who was the uh, the the fighter jet pilot woman who had the superpowers who went Brie to Larson? She was like a Brie Larson. Brie, that, Mrs. That's, Marvel. That's, that's, that's Mrs. Marvel. Marvel. I'm thinking about Captain Marvel. Is it Captain Marvel? Yeah. The, the black one goes through. Oh, that's the, that's a uh, Monica Rambo. Oh yeah 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 okay, like um, uh, she she has all these different cameos in a bunch of them now too. Really? Yeah okay. yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, right. so Charlie Bartlett, go check it out. Um, that's my that's my recommendation. Oh, so this was this was just mm-hmm. before Iron Man, just before Iron Man. It came out in two thousand seven, so it's okay. just before Iron Man, which was oh eight. So yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. I've seen I've seen the movie for a long time. I, I watched the movie when it, back back when it came out, like like a long time ago. Well, if you and if you need a good Christmas movie recommendation, then I'll just give you Tokyo Godfathers. No, 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 no. I don't need. We've already we've already seen Tokyo Godfathers. Fuck that shit. All <laughs> right, so <laughs> Elias, what's your what's your uh, top shelf, bro? Um, Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> no, no, no. no are you serious? It's, it's the perfect. Christmas discussion. What are you with, fucking talking about? With the announcement of GTA 6 coming out next oh my year. God. Dude, I started playing it again. I started playing it again. Oh it's, my God. It's dude. fucking amazing. So overhashed, dude. Bro, go back, play no, the regular story mode. It is no, thoroughly enjoyable. Amazing. You guys, oh, in a world you know where we have, show, right? <laughs> Dude, but I'm talking. This is a Christmas gift. I'm, 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 I'm putting it out there. I'm, I'm putting it out My there. My God, I, I need, I need Santa to bring me a PS5 in preparation for GTA 6. And I'm, talk to Christy. I'm warming Don't up talk my to figures. us. I can't give you that shit. I, I, I believe in Santa. <laughs> oh my Santa. God. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. On a lighter note, I'll leave you with. Um, I, I used to love wrestling growing up as a little kid. And I, I love old toys. Old toys that I used to play with and all that shit. And I've I've gone down the deep rabbit hole of looking up like old wrestling toys and shit like that. The pillow but eyes? The pillow wrestlers? The little pillow wrestlers, the little <laughs> the little action figure ones that move their arms and shit. But uh in 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 talking about that, what got me into it was I've been watching Dark Side of the Ring. It was a series. Oh, Advice. yes, that was good. Bro, season four. I just wrapped it up. Holy fuck! It's just like peeling back this onion of you know. Growing up as a little kid, I always thought wrestling was real, right? I, I thought yeah. Razor Ramon was fucking Cuban. Right. He wasn't, <laughs> but I could have sworn he was fucking Cuban. Um, but dude, the the stories, the tragedies. I mean, just I I just. Again, the, the deep rabbit hole of, of why people hate Vince McMahon and all the tragic stories about wrestling. So highly recommend um, Dark Side of the Ring by Vice. I, I've always liked all their documentaries and stuff, really. Dude, I got to say, um, I've never been into wrestling. I, I, I never got it. It wasn't for me. But some of the fucking stories Dude, behind the, that shit. They're nuts. Nice. They're nuts. It's insane. Like these people have gone through this shit. Statistically like, uh, impossible. You know these guys are all fucked up and have CTE, um, head injuries, and shit like that. Oh, 100%, dude. So true. Yep, yep, yep. Well, um, I do want to mention one thing if I have to give you a Christmas movie. One that my wife has, loves and she's been watching on repeat and I still have not seen it myself. She loves it. Christmas with the Cranks. 
Never oh, seen that's that. a good one. That's a good it's one. Got, uh, Tim Allen, Tim Allen, and, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Dan Aykroyd, um, and, Aykroyd. and oh my god, it's, that's a good. One. My wife loves that movie. She Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, I'll probably see that here before the end of the year because eventually I'm going to sit down and do it. If she likes this movie that much, I probably need to know well what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, your wife likes that movie. Yeah, that, that's the only reason I can recommend it to you because she just watches it on repeat. She's never I, seen it. Have you never seen it before? I have never seen it all the way. Are through. you serious? Yeah, I've, it's I have no quite real enjoyable. idea. I have no idea what happens. It's in actually, this movie. You know what's funny is that movie is a based on a John Grisham novel, and it's got really bad ratings. But she it's, loves it. She swears by it's, it. It's a stupid fucking Christian Christmas movie. Not Christian. Not Christian at all. <laughs> it's, a stupid, it's a stupid fucking Christmas movie. It's a dumb Christmas movie. Because Dan Aykroyd, his character, he ha- he's, he's, he's like a, a neighborhood fucking Nazi dude. And, oh, and it's it's all about the neighborhood the HOA has like this like uh, snowman thing where everybody has a snowman on their mm-hmm. in their like in their decorations yeah. and he has like a he's like a flat top so it's just it's one of those guys he plays one of those guys it's funny but Jamie Lee Curtis is like and the whole thing about the okay so the whole thing with those that those characters is that Jamie Lee Curtis and Tim Allen they decide. Fuck it. We're not doing Christmas this year because our daughter's not coming. She's not coming home for Christmas. So fuck it. We're going on a cruise. And it's fucking hijinks ensues. It's amazing. It's I don't know why. It's a dumb movie. It's super dumb. But we watched we, we enjoyed it. And he it's it's a it's a John Grisham novel. I forgot what it was called, the actual name, because it's not Christmas with the Cranks. It's called Oh, it's called Skipping Christmas. That's the name of his book. And it's not that big. It's maybe 200, 250 pages. It's a small book in comparison. Okay. But it's what Christmas Christmas with the Cranks is based on. It's based on a book called Skipping Christmas, because the parents are like, fuck it. She's not coming home, so we're skipping Christmas. We're going on a cruise. And then then, then the daughter decides. Oh no, I'm coming home. They're like, fuck! And they're just, you know, they gotta get back in the swing of things. It's it's one of those things, dude. So for me, my top shelf actually is a brand new Christmas movie that just came out. Oh. It's on, it's on Netflix. It's it's their Nef- you know, Netflix decides they decided, oh hey, I'm gonna tap into this whole Hallmark Christmas oh, movie bullshit. But I'm gonna actually use famous people. <laughs> you know, it's not their cheapy Hallmark. You know, copies. It's Hallmark, mm-hmm. but with actual people. It's with uh, Jennifer Garner and uh, Ed Helms. It's called Family Switch. It's like Christmas, but Freaky Friday style. Oh, interesting. Family Switch. This isn't like a polyamory kind of thing. No, is it? God, what the fuck? Is wrong <laughs> with that? But no, but yes, the parents switch bodies with their children. Swinging with Santa. But there's so many famous people in this movie, like actors. Like one of them is that German dude from Army of the Dead, who I love that actor. He's hilarious. And there's like, there's, there's, there's a bunch of actors in the movie, just like comedians and shit that show up in the movie. You're just like, oh my God, seriously? You're in this movie too? You know, it's one of those things. But it's funny. Oh man, this looks good, dude. It's pretty good. It's cheesy as fuck. But it's a good Christmas flick. So I would suggest... If you want to enjoy a good, funny Christmas, my daughters, okay, my daughters were like, like 40 minutes into the movie, my youngest is like, 
Oh my god, how much time is left in this movie? Because it's so cringy. It is a cringy fucking movie. Oh, and Ed oh, Helms no. is great. Because it's it is. It's super cringy. And you I enjoyed every second of it. And it, it was great. There, that guy will forever be the hangover guy. I'm sorry. He's one of those F- character actors. I can't see him as anything else. Dude, yeah. also, also, FYI, Jennifer Garner farts in this movie. <laughs> I wonder how much, how much they had to pay just as they like, we're going to make you look like an idiot here. Oh, so much. I, I, I'm telling you, I enjoyed the movie. We were laughing out loud in the motion picture. But watch the movie. It's funny. Family Switch. It's worth it. I, I've got it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check this out. I'll have to rent it or something. Watch it, guys. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. All right. So anyways, guys, so that's our Christmas show for the night, fellas. Uh, if you guys want to watch everything, just, you know, Watch the motion picture. Watch the holdovers. Enjoy yourselves. Spend time with your family. If you're Hispanic, enjoy your pork. Buena, coquito. If you're if you're other Hispanic, whatever and whatever you do. Uh, if you're Italian, feast the seven fishes. Whatever you need to do for Christmas. Uh, Derek, I don't know what you do for Christmas too. What's what's your Christmas holiday tradition, brother? Dude, we're doing tamales, man. My wife's oh. making them. Scratch, man. Yeah, dude. I and, miss uh, Dallas. And miss here's Dallas. the thing: like, she's Mexican, and apparently, this is not so much of a Mexican thing. But uh, you know, some folks will put like uh, like sweet things, like pineapple or strawberries, into them. Oh, dude, dessert tamales, dude, you're missing out. That's like crap. Sweet, really? sweet, good stuff. Yeah, I've man. Never seen that before. It sounds crazy. It will blow your mind. That's like a real sweet savory kind of thing. Like a sweet savory kind of thing. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, we're doing a whole lot of those. The house is nice and aromatic with all the different seasonings and peppers and all the stuff. Looking forward to it. I mean, all my first year, my son gets to have a tamale, dude. That's awesome. I can't wait. You got to tell me how it goes, dude. And and for the life of myself, it's all all pork all the time. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Just gobble it down. Oh, dude. (laughs) Anyways, all right. Well, everybody just... Enjoy the motion picture. Watch the holdovers. Uh, enjoy your Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you need to do. And a new year. And a new year. Enjoy yourselves, everybody. All right. Have a good time. Peace. Peace.